You know, folks, we're, we're coming to the end of chapter 3. We've got one more chapter to do. And that's going to be probably up until February. But we've been talking about you and I having a deeper relationship with Jesus. We've been talking about not living on the surface. That's where most people are at. With boring, humdrum Christianity and talking about you getting beneath the surface of where you have an expectancy of God working in your heart. You have an expectancy of God working in your life day by day. And you become sensitive to that. Now, I have been talking to you for about, this is for about three months, because this is our 14th lesson in this. I've been talking for three months about this with you, but the reality is this. All I can do, I can only do two things. I can only talk about it with you. And number two, I can act on it myself for myself. Do you understand? I can talk about it with you, and then I can act on what I'm talking about. Here's what I can't do. I can't make you do it. I can't make you pursue Jesus. I can't make the decision for you. Did you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be the one to make the decision. You've got to be the one that decides, you know what, I'm sick of living on the surface of my spirituality and my Christianity. I want to go deeper. You've got to be the one to make that decision. Nobody else can make that decision for you except you. Your mama can't make it. Your spouse can't make it. Your daddy can't make it. Grandma can't make it for you. You've got to be the one to make it. And you're the one who's responsible for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we're going to talk today about the choice to make. You've got to make a choice. But as you make that choice, you need to also be aware that there are others who will try to keep you from making that choice. That there are others who want you to live on the surface, who don't want you to go deeper. In fact, there is a spiritual being called Satan who doesn't want you to go deeper. And he'll influence others to keep you on the surface to keep you from experiencing that relationship with God. And so what we're going to look at is look at just these last few verses as Paul sums up his whole argument in chapter 3, where he first out started warning us about people and talked about what we should be focusing on rather than what we should not be focusing on and about seeking after that relationship with him. He's going to kind of wrap it up for us today, and it's really going to come down to a choice to make And it's the choice that you and I have to make. It's up to you. So I want you to notice with me. We're going to look at, in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to look at, we're going to look at verses 17 through 21, five verses. Listen to what he says. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven." from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body 
that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Say, so what in the world is he talking about, George? Well, we're going to look at a couple things here. We're going to talk about examples to follow. We're going to see that in verse 17. We're going to talk about surface dwellers. We're going to talk about the people who want you to stay on the surface in your Christianity. We're going to see that in verses 18 and 19. And then we're going to talk about your destiny. We're going to talk about what you were saved for. We're going to talk about who you really are and what's going to happen to you. We're going to see that in verses 20 and 21. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, let's talk about examples to follow. Look with me at verse 17. This is what he's saying. He's kind of closing his argument here. He's saying, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Here's what he's saying. Number one, you have to make a conscious decision to change. You have to make a conscious decision to change. Because notice what he says there. Note those. You decide to follow. And so you're going to have to make that choice. Now, that's not easy, is it? You ever struggle with anything? Like if you ever struggled with an addiction issue? I remember when I first got saved, I smoked. And when I first got saved, it took, can I be honest with you, a whole year to overcome smoking. Now, I maybe quit smoking immediately, but I would go in a moment of weakness and go buy a pack. I remember being at the University of South Carolina and stress was coming on. I had an exam going on. What do you do when you're stressed? You smoke. So what do I do? I go to the student union building, go to the bookstore, buy a pack of cigarettes, went out on a, out on the wall. All the other students are passing by. I had a break. So I open that pack up, take my cigarette, smoke it halfway down and be convicted. You shouldn't be doing that, George. You shouldn't be doing that. You're right. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. So I stamp out that cigarette, take that whole pack, throw it in the garbage. That's a lot of money. Even back then, that was a lot of money. Do you know what I'm saying? It went a whole year of that kind of thing, so finally I was able to overcome it, being able to quit smoking. It took five years to overcome the mental. So you know what I'm talking about? Making choices isn't easy, is it? But the fact of the matter is, is you're listening, you're saying, George, I want something different, I want something in my life. The fact is, is you've got to make a conscious decision to what? Change. Because even just saying, well, you know, I don't like living on a surface, you will wallow living in the surface. You'll, you'll be like a pig and just be in the muck forever. Oh, I wish things were better. Make the choice. See, it's there. The Christian life is there. You have to decide if you want to live it. Are you okay with humdrum Christianity? No. Then do something about it. Make the choice. You have to make a conscious decision. Here's what else he says. He's talking about following examples. Take note and interact with those who live beneath the surface. Take note and interact with those who live beneath the surface. Now here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Because here's reality. You can't do it alone. 
You can make choices to change, but does everybody understand change can't happen alone? Does everybody understand that? That's why when we have, we have groups like Celebrate Recovery or AA, that's group where people can overcome their addiction issues. Have you noticed it's a group setting? Why is it a group setting? Because they can't do it what? Alone. So here you are, you're living on the surface of your spirituality. You're a surface dweller. You want to get deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Here's the reality. You can do, you can go deeper, but you can't do it alone. So what do you need to do? You need to take note of people who are around you who have a relationship with Jesus, and it's evident. Now let me tell you what that looks like and what it's not going to be. First of all, what it's not. Don't take note of somebody who can just answer Bible questions. Did you hear what I said? Don't take note of somebody who can just answer the Bible questions. Don't take note of somebody who can just pray out loud. That's not what you look for. That could be surface spirituality. But no, you want to take note of somebody who lives their life like they have a what? A relationship with Jesus. Take note of how they respond when they go through a difficulty. Take note how they respond when a loved one is sick. Take note how they help other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's more to spirituality than just answering Bible questions and praying out loud. It's about the type of person they are. And when you take note of somebody and you say, that woman or that man has a relationship with Jesus, I can see it, it's evident in their life. You interact with them and you go to them and you say to them, I need your help. I want to have a deeper walk with you, with Jesus. Can you help me? Now, I'm going to tell you what they're going to say to you. I can't help you. What are you talking about? I'm struggling myself. No, no, you need to just say, no. Well, then just kind of guide me with what you know. Do you understand? Because somebody who's truly walking with Jesus doesn't think they're walking with Jesus. Do you understand me? They'll be humble, and they'll say, I don't have that kind of relationship. But you can tell by the way they interact with other people. You can tell by their faith in God. You can tell when they go through a, when they go through a difficulty. Why are they saying that they don't have it? Because they're humble and they don't think they've arrived. That's a key sign of spirituality, isn't it? You take somebody who thinks they've arrived, stay away from them. Just being honest with you. Stay away from them. But you take note, if you want to, you make that decision that you want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus, you get with somebody who has it. And you ask them to help you and guide you. Take note of those and interact with those who live beneath the surface. Now that gets us to the point that he's going to make here. He gives us a warning. He gives us a warning here about surface dwellers. What's a surface dweller? That's the guy who wants you to live in super spirit, superficial spirituality where there's no power, no interaction with God, just pure religion. You show up, you do what's right, you give, you sit in a pew, but don't expect anything else. Look at what he says here in verse 18 and 19. For many of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Here's the first thing I want you to see. You have to recognize that there are many who will lead you astray. There 
There are many in church who will lead you astray. And he calls them the enemies of the cross. Now, can we just stop for a moment? I need to unpack that for you for a moment. When we talk about the enemies of the cross, we're not talking about people from another religion. We're not talking about Muslims. We're not talking about Hindus. We're not talking about Buddhists. We're not even talking about atheists. That's not what he's talking about here when he talks about the enemies of the cross. What is he talking about? When he talks about enemies of the cross, he's talking about enemies of the gospel. And what is the gospel? That Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin. He did it all for you. You can't do anything for it. And by faith, you accept what he has done for you because you can't do it. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what the enemies of the cross will come along and say to you is, is, yes, you can do it by faith, but you also need to do this. You need to carry the right Bible. You need to dress the right way. You need to show up to church all the time. You need to give a certain amount of money. And they'll pile it on. We keep going on. You can add a whole bunch of other things there. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize, I can never match up. I can never match up. I can't match up. That's an enemy of the cross. And what these folks will do is they will suck you into staying on the surface. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. When you begin to lose sight that your acceptance with God, that the basis for your relationship is what Jesus has done for you, not what you can do, but what Jesus has done for you, you stay on the surface when you lose sight of that. When you truly understand it and you embrace it and you want to live for it and have that relationship with him, you start to get beneath the surface. And the problem is, is that there will be people who will lead you astray. Lead you astray. Bottom line. Recognize it. They're in church. They're in good churches all over America. Wanting to lead you astray. Here's what he says. Sadly, he says, their judgment and destruction is assured. Their judgment and destruction is assured. What is he saying? Those who are subtly deceiving people away from the true gospel into a false gospel, into a false type of Christian religion, where it's all about what you do and how you dress and what you carry, where you're striving to be accepted, being accepted. And have you ever noticed that in those systems you're never truly accepted? Have you noticed that? They're like up here talking down to you, and they're like, well, you need to come up here, you need to come up to where I'm at, and if you never notice, you can never get up there where they're at, because they're always changing what? The standard that you got to try to reach. And then finally people get fed up with it, and they say, what, I'm done with church, I'm out of here. And we all know folks who no, lo- folks who no longer go to church, right? Because they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they couldn't get accepted. Folks, our acceptance isn't because of what we do. Our acceptance is because of who? Jesus. And what he did on the cross, right? The enemies of the cross will deceive you. And he says that those who propagate that kind of teaching, their destruction and judgment is assured. He goes on one step further and he says, what's motivating them? Why would they do that? Why would they teach you something like that when their true gospel is right there in front of them? Look at what it says. They are guided by their selfish desires and ambitions. They're guided by their selfish desires and ambitions. 
What are you talking about, George? Well, it could be that you're, you're listening to a guy who, or have sat under a guy who's a pastor who maybe is struggling with some approval issues. What do you mean? Well, actually what he does is he, he makes himself look good by making everybody else look what? Bad. Ever been somebody like that? That the only way that he looks good is that everybody else stays down here and he's up here? It doesn't even have to be a pastor. There are people like that. They, they act so spiritual and everybody else is beneath them. They can never get there. That's a trap. What's motivating them? It has nothing to do with God motivating them. It has nothing to do with the gospel motivating them. They're motivated by their own desires. What's their own desires? Approval, performance. It's those traps. They're guided by their selfish desires and ambitions. Now, just stop for a moment. Can we, can we wake up for a moment? Does everybody realize that not everybody comes to church for a pure reason? Does everybody understand that? Can, 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 can we recognize that for a moment, that there are people today in churches who are not here for the right reasons? Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people who are here because they want church to do something for them, and they want to use church to do something for them. So you have guys who, who are in leadership for their own ambitions and their own agendas and their own... Thankfully, we don't have that here. But could we have had that here? Yeah, we've had it in the past, and could we have it again? Yeah. Because there are people who are like that. But the fact is that you've got to recognize that these are the enemies of the cross, and they want you to stay on the surface. They want you to be in bondage. And let's stop for a moment. You ever lived on that, that kind of bondage? Being told, can't go here, can't do this, can't watch that, can't eat here, can't do this, can't go there, dress like this, don't dress like that, don't dress like a man. Ladies, have been told that? Don't dress like a man. First of all, I'm, I'm 51 years old. I don't meet very many ladies who dress like men. Okay? Even if they do wear pants. It's not... I don't see dudes wearing those kind of pants. Did you understand what I'm saying? But you live under that oppression, and in reality, what does that do? That sucks the Christian life out of you to what? You're on the surface, on the surface, on the surface. God wants you to be aware of that. Get beneath the surface. Get into a deeper relationship with him. So what do you got to do? Go back to the thing. Make a choice. Take note of those who are truly watching Christ. And here in this section, what? Beware of the enemies of the cross. Beware of those who want to keep you on the surface and not experiencing what Jesus really has for you. Why? Because you don't understand your destiny. You don't understand what happened when you got saved. Oh yes, George, I understand what happened when I got saved. My sins were forgiven. Really? Then why are you still struggling? Why do you still have guilt and shame? Why do you still feel that you're worthless? Why do you still feel like God can never use you? Do you truly understand your destiny? Do you truly understand who you are in Jesus? I would say most of us don't. 
Why? Because we dwell on the surface. See, when you get beneath the surface, you understand who you really are and what you were meant for. So let's talk about your destiny. Look with me, verse 20 and 21. I'll read it to you again. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. What's he talking about here? Well, I want you to look at a couple things. Number one, here's what I need you to recognize. We are citizens of heaven. Here's what I want you to understand. The way he says that, it's not a future tense thing. He's not talking about later. He's talking about now. Just so does everybody understand, do you realize you're dual citizens? Do you know what a dual citizen is? Okay. Dual citizens like somebody who's born in another country, so they have U.S. citizenship and they have the citizenship of the country that they were born in. Okay. Some countries allow that. So we understand we're dual citizens. But you are, you're a dual citizen. You say, hold on, George, I was born in Clearfield County. Some of you were born in your mama's house, not necessarily the hospital. You are a dual citizen. What do you mean? Because you're not just the citizen of the United States, but you are, he's saying right now, present tense, a citizen of heaven. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God right now. Do you realize that? That's who you are. You are someone special. In fact, Peter talks about that. You are a chosen generation. A special people to God. And he's saying, look, understand, you don't need to dwell on the surface with this boring religious life. You need to get into the relationship with Jesus. Why? Because that's who you are. You're a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of him, of his kingdom. He goes on and says, we will one day be glorified by Jesus Christ. We will one day be glorified by Jesus Christ. One day, when you go to see him, he isn't going to say, well, you know, hey, you made it, glad you made it, but yeah, there's a few parts in your life that, whew, you know about those parts, don't you? He isn't going to do that. What's he going to do? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter into the joy of my rest. You know, I just, I just was, um, reading a book right now that's been pretty powerful for me. And I was driving the other day, I was driving from the office down to the house. And so I was sitting here in thought, thinking about things, thinking about process. I may have even been driving back from the Y in the morning, but I was processing things. And I was processing my life. And I had, a, I had a couple thoughts going on. Number one, I remember, first of all, I grew up in a home where my dad told me I would never amount to anything. I was continually told that. Be careful what you tell young people. It becomes their bondage. Just going to be honest with you. So I was told I was never going to amount to anything. So 
while my dad was alive, I was always trying to prove myself to my dad. But my dad died when I was 20. So, But here's the problem. I'm scarred now. I'm scarred. Where I feel like I always have to prove myself. So now I, I, be, I substituted my dad to a group of men at a place that was a spiritual home to me, which was Liberty University. And I always felt like I needed to prove myself to those people, always. And I lived in that bondage for a long time, even while I'm here, feeling like I had to prove myself to those people. And then I realized how silly that was. So then I felt like I had to prove myself to God. I had to prove myself to God. Well, I'm driving along the other day, and I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. And this thought occurs to me, and it's like my mind explodes in a good way. And here's the thought that I had. You don't need to prove yourself to God. He already loves you. And it's not because of what you have done and haven't done. It's because of what Jesus has done. And he already takes delight in your life. How do you know that? Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Ephesians, he has what given us good works for his pleasure. Your life pleases God. And it was like, why am I trying to prove myself? I don't need to. He already approves of me. He already takes delight in me. He already finds pleasure in myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? That I was living on the surface with that crazy thinking of having to prove myself to God. But I don't need to prove myself to God. Folks, you don't need to prove yourself to God. One day you will be glorified by him and he's not going to sit there and say, hey, welcome in. We will talk about that other stuff later. I just was reading in the Minor Prophets where it says that he takes our sin and he casts it into the deep sea. What does that mean? They can't be retrieved. He forgets them. Who remembers them? We do. You see? We will one day be glorified by him. And here's the other thing. At our glorification, here's the other wonderful thing. This is what excites me so much. You'll understand why I get excited. At our glorification, we'll be given a new body by Jesus Christ. We'll be given a new body. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Get a new body. A perfect body that can eat anything and not gain weight. No, I'm just kidding. But a new body. You know what excites me about that? Because in this body right now, this body is the constant torment of struggle each and every day. Why? Because this body wants to do wrong. You know what I'm talking about? This body wants to do wrong. This body craves, this flesh craves to do wrong. Your body wants to do wrong. The bad things that you want to do, that you think are enjoyable, it's your body that wants them. Every single one of us here. One day when we go to be with Jesus, that war, that struggle will be over. Why? Because this corrupted body will be gone. You will have a new body. 
and it won't have wings, and you won't have a harp, okay? That, that's all make-believe stuff that somebody made. That's not in the Bible. But you'll get a body like Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? That'll be you. But it'll be free from what? The corruption of this world. See, here's the thing. I need you to understand. You gotta make the choice to live there. You gotta make the choice to live in your identity of who you are. Not to live based upon because somebody else told you something else and so you're stuck there living on the surface. You gotta make the choice to recognize what God says about you and go into a deeper relationship with Him. You gotta do that. Nobody else can do that. You have to. So what do we do, George? Here's two thoughts. Going deeper in your spiritual life requires you making a choice. You gotta make that choice. Now, let me just stop from, and don't make it on the spur of the emotion right now. It's like, oh yes, George, I'm gonna do it right now. In Jesus' name, I make that choice. No, 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 we're not making spur of the moment choices here. I want you to go home and think about it. I want you to think about, are you, are you excited about your Christian life the way it is right now, and do you really want to continue living there? Or do you want something more? And make that choice. Make that choice to have something more. That can't be just an emotional decision. That needs to be a, a, a decision where you talk to God and say, God, I'm tired of living this way. I don't want to live this way. I want you to help me. I want you to help me because I can't do it without you. You have to decide that you want to go deeper and that's going to require you to make that choice. Here's the second thing. Recognize that others will influence you to stay on the surface. That's half the battle right there, folks. That's half the battle. Half the battle that's keeping you on the surface is not recognizing that there are people who want you to stay on the surface. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to start recognizing that there are people who are going to try to sabotage you. You ever done that? Been at work? Hey folks, I just want to let you know I'm on a diet, so I'm going to try to to be good and lose a few pounds. And then you've got that one guy at work who's like breaking out the big hoagies and the big ho-hos and the big cookies. And, hey, you want some of this? You know, and they, what are they trying to sabotage you, right? Ever met one of those guys and you're like, Argh. Yeah, but you need to recognize that there are people who are going to try to sabotage you from going deeper. And here's what you got to do. You don't get mad at them and say, stay away from me, Satan. No, but you maybe just decide, I'm not going to be near them. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to allow them to have an influence in my life. It may require, and this is what we tell people who have addictions issues, you may need to change your friends. That's a tough one, but you might need to. Because you're being drugged down by somebody. 
But you've got to recognize that others will influence you to stay on the surface. So here's my question to you. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be on the surface and the defeat of that? Or do you want to begin to live like he has created you to be, a new person with a glorious destiny in front of you and enter into a real wonderful relationship with him that he will guide you in step by step? Notice what I said, step by step. That's your choice. I can only tell you about it. Let me pray for you.